Hey, George Cedarquist here, host of Opera Box Score. All right, I know you want to get to the podcast, so I'm going to keep this short. Opera Box Score needs your donation to retain its title as America's talk radio show about opera. You can give on our website, operaboxscore.com slash donate. When you throw even 10 bucks our way, it helps us promote the show to more listeners. Just 20 bucks helps cover our website costs. Chip in 50 bucks and we can pay to wax Tobias's back. But for real, please consider a donation of any amount to help us continue to bring you our hot takes on everything opera-related. Operaboxscore.com slash donate. Enjoy the podcast. Live from Chicago, you're listening to Opera Box Score. Uh, Let's get ready to rumble! Wherever you are, however you're listening, welcome to America's Talk radio show about opera, period. We are live on WNUR 89.3 FM in HD, Northwestern, Evanston, Chicago. I'm your host, George Cedarquist, joined this week by Oliver Camacho, Tobias Wright, and Matt Cummings. All right, tonight, our summer road festival trip continues as the OBS Yobs gate crash the Glyndebourne Festival in England. And then Pop Quiz returns as Matt tests the collective brain power, some would say brain freeze, of the OBS guys. And plus in the two-minute drill, hirings and firings are happening fast and furious this week in Opperland. And of course, as always, you can call us on air and get your voice heard, 847-866-WNUR is our number in studio. Give us your hot take on the latest opera news stories on everything that we're talking about tonight. Of course, if you've been to the Glyndebourne Festival, you want to sound off about that, give us a call. International calling code would be plus one, 847-866-9687. You can tweet us at Opera Box Score Post on our Facebook page. we got a great crew in the house tonight, Oliver Camacho. So you're saying that the uh, British audience, they are... um Greenwich Standard Time or Greenwich Mean Time—is that what they call over there? That would be <laughs> like six hours. Yeah, six hours. Three a.m. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. Okay. What time is it with you? Yeah. So you think that they're up listening to Opera Box Score right now on streaming on internet radio? It's sincerely call. my hope that they are. Okay. Because they knew we were doing this segment, right? Because we advertised it. Yeah, of course. Yeah. They know, man. They know. <laughs> With our that, great marketing. It was, be, on, uh, it was on our Instagram. Tobias Wright would be sounding off there as well. I am George. Do you know? Uh, I'm getting into shape again. It's my annual get into shape. And for time. what reason? Uh, flag football season's coming up here. Mm. Are you sure it's your skins? I, <laughs> it depends on what day it is. But like yeah. the idea is to be on the skins team and not feel like my love handles are going to offend anyone and like slap them in the face violently. Oh, damn. Mm. That was harsh. Mm. Uh, and really graphic. Matt, what uh, <laughs> sport are you getting in shape for? I'm really just getting ready for next year's Olympics. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's the summer, right? The yeah. Summer, oh, summer Olympics. So that's the best one. It's exciting. Where is it at? Bra- Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. No, that was, that's where that everything was, is. That was three years. So, and then it, they had the uh, World Cup. Isn't it in Paris? It's in Tokyo. Or Tokyo. See, we're, we know sports. Paris after that. <laughs> Going to Tokyo. Yeah. All right. Let's talk some opera. Chalk Talk on Opera Box School. the road trip. It is the road trip. Hey, thanks for hanging out with us tonight on Opera Box they Score. Have chalk on road trips. Chalk. Chalk on road trips. We need a road trip uh, jingle. We do. Well, Norm, I think Norm's Norm on vacation. No, he's not. He's in the other room. He's eating his dinner. <laughs> he's the show. Hey, Norm, when you're back from break, <laughs> yeah. could you please whip up a little road trip? Please, thank you. 
we do go on a lot of road trips, actually. And it is it is the summertime, and it is the time of, of road tripping, and this one takes us overseas to the Glyndebourne Festival. Glyndebourne is located on the south coast of England. It's near Brighton. And I'm going to be totally open and honest with you that I've never been. Why? I couldn't possibly afford to go. I did go on their website when I was prepping for the show this afternoon. And the bottom ticket price, you can, first of all, you can get tickets. So it's not like Bayreuth where you just, you don't have a shot ever at getting a seat. You can get Unless tickets. you enter the lottery for five years in a row. That's true. That's mm. true. You could do mm-hmm. that. Um, but the bottom ticket price that I found was 140 pounds, which is like $200. For a single show or for one ticket, one set, one okay, okay, yeah. I'm looking at a map of England, I'm not gonna lie to you. Now I know where Brighton is. So, and Glyndebourne is this country house which uh began in the 30s, I believe, doing opera. There's a play by the British playwright David Hare, which is all about the birth of Glyndebourne. My dad saw this play actually, um, and it now has a proper theater attached to it. It's a 1,200-seat house. A good friend of mine, good friend of the show, actually my friend Nick, he's been on the show. He's a stage manager. He's worked there. This was some years ago. And he's gave me some details on the, the theater itself. So it doesn't have the automation of the Royal Opera House, which is in Covent Garden in London. It doesn't have any moving stage pieces or scenery storage there's a fly tower which is you know where the drops can raise and lower vertically but there's a lot of George, wing have you been space. there like i said i've he, never been to glamour no but have you been to the royal opera house oh yes I've okay been, drink I've been, hold I've on been back. <laughs> <laughs> okay so for our listeners they know that we like to take drinks every time george has been somewhere <laughs> has been somewhere or or lists someone with whom he has had the pleasure of working I have a I have twenty ounces of liquid, and every time George drinks, or every time George compels me to drink, I will drink and let you know. We'll see where we get by the end. Of Let's the get show. through the whole bottle. All right, dude, you're going to be wasted in this one segment. It's I just can a tell liquid. You. you can only drink half a forty. We'll see what Is happens. That, okay, man. Let's see. Human urine. The <laughs> the social aspect of Glyndebourne cannot be overlooked, right? So it is part of the summer season of the British upper classes, right? So what else do you do in England during the summertime besides get completely soaked by the rain because it's also the monsoon season? So what do you do? You go to Ascot. With Eliza Doolittle. That's right. These are the famous horse races. You go to Henley, which is which are the famous boat races. T-shirts. I thought, I thought you were talking about the T-shirts, too. You go to Wimbledon, which, mm. there we go. Now we got Oliver's <laughs> attention. Um, mm, and you go, to the, grass. You, go to the, you go to the proms, right? Have you heard of the proms? Which yes. is at the Royal Albert Hall, and that's more of an orchestral thing. Uh, let the record show again. I have never been to any of these events. I don't think I will ever go to any. Although, Oliver, I know you really, well, you want to get married at Wimbledon. It's on a court, yeah. It's gonna be no, very, just to a tennis player. It, it will be easier <laughs> for you to find someone to marry than to get a ticket, I would imagine. Hmm. Just a guess. There's hope yet. There's hope yet. But it's so for it's part ticket. of this part of this social circuit. And my friend, also called George, actually, who's a uh, audience member for many years at Glyndebourne, I talked to him about what are the social aspects of Glyndebourne. And trust me, we're gonna get to the opera part in one second. So dressing up is definitely part of it. The founders of Glyndebourne said that 
in order to respect the singers and respect the art form of opera was that the audience needed to dress up. And so for the gentleman, this means black tie. Did you guys, um, do you all have tuxedos? I do, actually. We're all working singers. So. Yeah. yeah. Okay, good. Slash cater waiters. <laughs> when was the last time they were dry cleaned? Mine's been in a pile on my dresser for about two Charming. months. Yeah, probably about eight months ago. Yeah, it's a year ago. And of course, uh, equivalent for the ladies. So definitely need that evening gown as well when you're going to Glyndebourne. And of course, the other part of Glyndebourne is well, you drive you drive down from London, of course, in your fancy car, and you have to make sure that you take part in the picnic. At Glyndebourne. Remember when Andrew Jorgensen was on the show? He talked about the green and white striped tents at Opera Theater of St. Louis. And part of the attraction of Mm -hmm. OTSL was these meals, which these took place, I think, either before or after the show. And it was a chance for audience members to meet singers and to socialize. Okay, I'm confused. Um, So the people who have tickets for the 1,200-seat auditorium, they also bring a picnic with them? That's correct. And you want them to be dressed up, but they also have to be on the ground. That's correct. Hmm. So yes. you eat on the ground in your, in your tuxedo. The oh, English are a paradoxical yeah. folk. Well, uh, who said that having a picnic means sitting on the ground? Okay. Oh, this is like a Virginia setup where they have like their rosé on a table. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Man. So Bring your own what, chandelier. Let's make this clear. What do you know? What time performances start at Glyndebourne? Well, so the show, the the there's a dinner break. Yeah. So the intermission at Glyndebourne is 90 minutes long, okay. and that is to allow for. An ample picnic. So the curtain times are like three, four, or five o'clock in the five afternoon, o'clock, yeah, ish, yeah. depending oh, wow. on the length of the opera. Obviously, if so it's you like, really lose the whole day if you're going to Glyndebourne. You're not. Oh like, man, yeah. you, it's a it's a total thing. Yeah. But only only the wealthy could afford to take like a Tuesday off. And what else could one possibly do? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you could beat the servants. Yeah. <laughs> when I talked to my friend Nick, who was a stage manager at Glyndebourne, he talked about the paradox of working here. So we're going to go behind the scenes now at Glyndebourne. And he talked about that there's actually relatively little possibility for advancement when you work in at least his field, which was stage management. So you will grind out like years and years in stage management because nobody ever leaves. Why? Because they know that they have such a sweet gig, like you're taken care of. You're housed, you're fed, you're in a beautiful part of England. You're not living in London. You're not in the big, bad city. And so nobody ever leaves. Everybody sort of hates working there because, like, it's a summer festival. You're doing six shows in the course of three months. Like, there's a phenomenal amount of work. But in a way, when I heard Nick describe this, it felt like he was talking about any other summer festival. Has any of your guys' experience, you know, performing in a summer festival been like that? When it's just like constant work, nonstop? That's what all summer festivals are. I mean, like, I don't know, Matt, you've done a few. I've done a few. Oliver just returned from working at one. Mm -hmm. It's not, I mean, when you go there as an artist, it's such a... It's such a short period of time to to have to do so much work. Well, and you're also led to believe that like it's a huge privilege to be there too. So it's like when you're there, it's all about the work and it's all about sharing with the community. And you're led to believe that you're such a vital part of their time in that space. And I think it's kind of interesting. Yeah, you don't. It's a valued opportunity as well. So if the chance is there to return, you don't let that go. I don't know. That's that's me, Oliver. I mean, I th- I think people who devote their summers to go do something like this, they want to work. Like it's it's sort of the goal. It's like you don't have your regular nine to five job. 
while you're there. And so you're open to like learning and working when you normally would be listening to politics podcasts and responding <laughs> to emails, you know. But sometimes you're doing both of those at the same time <laughs> as rehearsing. Yeah. It's Opera Box Score on WNUR 89.3 FM and HD. George Cedarquist with Oliver Camacho, Tobias Wright, and Matt Cummings kicking off this week's show with a trip overseas to the Glyndebourne Festival pop quiz coming up in about 10 minutes. Matt Cummings is going to talk you through that. Let's take a look at the season, actually, at Glyndebourne. So it's a total of six productions. Two of those have already passed. One uh, was... Gunos Faust, and then the other, uh, Rossini Barber of Seville. And then what's currently playing or coming up is um, uh, Sondrion by Massenet. That is featuring uh, Danielle Denise. The first lady of Glyndebourne herself. <laughs> <laughs> what makes you say that? Matt? She's married to Gus Christie. Ah. Excellent. The, I yeah. like the connection. Can you drink for that, Toby, by yep. the way? Hold Thanks. On. Okay, cool. Is Gus Christie related to the original John Christie, like the the founder oh, yeah. of Glyndebourne? Yes, he is related. I forget what that relationship is. Oof, grandson? Is that? Okay. That uh, sounds like the right amount of time. So, um, no, my friend George says the Christie family is very present. It was founded by the father John and it's run by the son Gus, both of whom married sopranos. After uh, Sandra, uh, production of uh, Ruzalka. And then Magic Flute, Mozart, Mark Rigglesworth conducting formerly, um, or currently, excuse me, of uh, English National Opera. Uh, David Portillo is playing Tamino in that production of Magic Flute. And then this one's for Oliver, uh, Handel's Ronaldo. Yeah, I mean, before you go, are you, do you have more to say about the season? Well, I was, I was just going to comment about the orchestra that's playing for Ronaldo, okay. but I can hold off on no, that. No, no, go ahead. That's with the Orchestra of the Age of the Enlightenment. Which is one of their in-house orchestras, like them and the London Phil, I believe, are the two orchestras that... Or London Symphony, I think it is, always That always play there. Yeah. So I think one of the big points about Glyndebourne that we haven't touched upon yet is how um, they were really known as like a Mozart house and also for doing, you know, beautiful productions of Baroque masterpieces, pioneering the idea of doing Baroque masterpieces before it was a trendy thing to do. You know, they did like La Callisto and Popea and, you know, handle operas before it was fashionable. And also they obviously do a lot of Britain there being in England. Um, and they have also known for having given singers big breaks. Um, you know, they're, they don't always have like the international well-known cast or they didn't used to at least, but there were people that would return there again and again because they love to sing there. People like um, Janet Baker and Felicity Lott. Uh, but they also gave breaks to people like Pavarotti and it was one know, of Montserrat Caballé's earliest Cabe, international, yeah. yeah, yeah, international. Joan gigs. Sutherland, Birgit Nielsen, all sort of made big splashes there. So they have like an ear for young talent, and they, you know, they have done, like I said, Mozart and Handel and other Baroque composers um, before it was fashionable. So I think that's one of the marks of Glyndebourne. I think that's a great point. Another hallmark, I would say, of Glyndebourne is the chorus, is that this is not going to uh, be one of those sort of older 
more stuck in the mud choruses that you might find in one of the London houses. These are going to be younger chorus doors that believe in their heads, at least that they're really going places. It's, it's the step on a ladder towards a soloist career to be in the chorus. And a lot of these former choristers come back specifically to Glyndebourne, covering roles, doing roles for the Glyndebourne tour, which is in the fall. These are, you know, the same productions, but just reduced on scale, which which tour the UK. And as you say, Oliver, it kind of shows that ear that they have for, for who they hire. Are these huge names? Not necessarily, but they, they're investing, I think, long-term in the singers that they have. Glyndebourne, to me, is sort of the, the hallmark of what you would call the English country house opera. It's really the beginning of that movement, which has now been replicated all across the country, where those members of the landed gentry who own huge country houses. Do you guys ever watch the Great British Baking Show? I Religiously. Love the Great British Baking <laughs> Show. Oliver doesn't? No, it's on my list of things to do, but I'm still trying oh, to move it up. I'm, I'm yeah, I, I would really love it. I'm sure everybody loves it. but um, It's taped at one of these English country houses. It's one of the few competition, sh- comp- competitive cooking shows that makes me feel loved. It probably <laughs> is the show with the highest percentage of uh, shots of people sitting in front of ovens of any other TV show. But, you know, somehow I'm still on board with that. It's true. And so anyone with an English country house now can basically do its own English summer opera festival, right? So other places that come to mind are like Garsington Opera, which is in Oxford. When I was in boarding school, that was the one we always went to. Drink. Was, uh, Garsington Oh, God. Yeah, you're opera. right. Sorry, I'm starting to get a buzz. <laughs> um, so it's a thing. Uh, Oliver, you mentioned Britain earlier. The Aubra Festival, which is on the east coast of England, it's not really country house opera but of course it has got to be one of the other preeminent summer opera festivals and of course that was in the news recently where um the britain pairs foundation was being subsumed into a larger organization that wanted to remove pairs's name from the title and there was a huge outcry about this obviously because like britain and pairs were one of the most prominent collaborative out, out couples of their day yeah, yeah. and to to take Paris's name off of his association with Albrecht really did a disservice to Britain but I digress so I'm trying to think of other English country house operas but bottom line is you know Lord and Lady Crappington as long as they have like an English country house and they can get some people to sing Carmen you've got yourself a summer opera house there but, George, you don't think you really have an in to get a ticket there? Well, man, I mean, I could just go online, I suppose. My my friend, my other friend, also called George, he says he's going to take me one day. I'd have to be in England during the summer to go, though. Although you can watch some of the productions on um, on their live stream, I think. And they have a fair amount of, of their productions that have been published you know, on, on DVD form and on the internet. There was a... And have been recorded. And yeah. have been, yeah, yeah. and have, have been recorded. There, there was a pretty interesting... Uh, Cozy Fontute a couple years ago. There's a really great turn of the screw from Glyndebourne a while back. Yeah, with with uh, my person and, and Toby, Toby Spence. Toby Spence. Yeah, yeah. that They're, was the first turn of the screw I ever saw, and I was like, "Oh, this is what this opera's supposed to do." Yeah, uh, Thomas Hampson, Thomas Hampson, Thomas Allen famously sang Don Giovanni there, and they made a recording of that back in the day. And when Carol Vaness was just a baby, she was the Contessa and the Fiordaligi in their uh, De Ponte series, De Ponte Cycle. Um, 
this year, getting back to Ronaldo, they have our boyfriend, Jakub Verlinski. He's not singing or- Ronaldo. Did I say Orlando? Ronaldo. Ronaldo. Uh, he's singing the role of Eustazio. Elizabeth Deschong sings Ronaldo. And uh, Connor Turner, Tim Mead sings Gofredo. There are other characters, but those ones I like. And that's conducted by Maxim Elmanyanachev, uh, and it's directed by Robert Carson. And Maxim Elmanyanachev is one of those super crazy, like, 20-something conductors who also plays harpsichord and plays cornetto while he conducts. It's crazy. So <laughs> I'm not even kidding you. Like, wow. he did this show in Chicago with Joyce Donato, and, like, all of a sudden, like, there was this cornetto obligato that he's, oh, I'm going to play it, you know, and conduct Should the same time. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, that counts, too. Yeah, okay, exactly. I'm drinking now. Hold on. Yeah. So to wrap it all up, Galeinborn, is it this little bastion of sort of upper-class privilege? Absolutely. There's no denying it. Would I squeeze myself into my tuxedo and eat a watercrest sandwich and go watch Ronaldo? I think we're missing an opportunity here. We have to kind of follow up with last week's millennial topic uh, and how maybe, you know, elitism um, is killing opera. But Glyndebourne is doing fine, right? Mm, mm. Yeah, that's that's (laughs) a real contradiction. Well, it's not it's not necessarily comparable when you're when you're talking about a country with that has a strong operatic not operatic but musical traditions Mm -hmm. as England. The history of Glyndebourne is part of what I think is part of its continued success. The fact that it is this bastion of uh, the aristocracy in in a country that still has a monarchy. Mm -hmm. I mean, even even with reforms that have gone through, there's still a really strong sense of tradition in England. What is our summer festival in the U.S.? It's like, you're not going to mess with this. No matter, this opera company may fall, this one may never survive again, but like this is, this is going to be fine. Santa Fe. That was the one so. I was going to say too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, think I, don't, yeah, I don't know if I'd say Santa Fe. I would probably say something like Chautauqua. And here's why. is because hmm. uh, Glyndebourne is completely privately funded. It doesn't rely on the government at all. And I believe Chautauqua, because it's part of the Chautauqua institution, is in the same boat. So it's going to be on the people who live at Chautauqua and who care about it to keep it going. And, and they will be there in perpetuity. But are the operas of high quality over there? I mean, as a music well, maker. I've worked there. Yeah. Okay, so, so that tells you all you need to yeah. know. <laughs> Guys, I'm tanked. <laughs> I made it 21 minutes in. I'm almost done with my bottle. Pop Quiz returns next only on America's Talk Radio Show about opera. It's on WNUR 89.3 FM in HD, Northwestern, Evanston, Chicago. Live from Chicago. You're listening to Opera Box Score. More right after this. Hey, George Cedarquist here, host of Opera Box Score. So, we call ourselves America's talk radio show about opera. Why? Because we are. With an ever-growing base of fans subscribing to the OBS podcast and a stadium full of listeners tuning into our live broadcast, we are in the ear holes of the opera audience you want to reach. Want to promote your opera-related service or event? Or propose to the bear hunk in your life? Maybe you just want the sound of your name memorialized on air by our announcer, Norm Waddell. Anything's possible. Drop us a line at operaboxscore at gmail.com for rates and availability. This is Opera Box Score with George Cedarquist, Oliver Camacho, and oh yeah, Matt Cummings. Pop quiz. Oh boy. Oh wow. <laughs> 
if you were Toby Wright, you obviously noticed something was missing from that intro. Um, yeah. The Monday Night Football music? No. Did, no, no. did you not play my name? <laughs> your, your name was not on that clip. Oh. Well, Why didn't I hope that's not too there? much of a foresight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, here we go. I like the Price is Right music. <laughs> Norm, when you're finished with our road trip jingle, if you could correct that one. That Norm got off break, and then he went on break again. <laughs> well, you know, unions, what can you do? Yeah. So Let's, We just have to, before we start the quiz, we have to mark the date. It's Ju- July 22nd, 2019, and uh, Toby is taking a big step in his life. And his uh, romantic life. I am. That, that's all we'll say. Yeah. We're gonna vape. We're gonna vape yeah. podcast you all. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. It's so, more fun that way. You yeah. know what? May we, or... can just, we can just, we can keep vaguing about it. <laughs> yeah. You know what may or may not be vague yeah. are these uh, pop quiz questions. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> what a segue. So we're gonna this this quiz is in three rounds. What's the quiz about? The quiz is about various summer festivals all over the world. Oh, so this is an evergreen episode we could pay, play every year. When we don't have content, it's true. <laughs> I mean, ho- hopefully, hey, it's it's a slow season for opera news. Yeah, we have to, except for Anna Dushapko taking racist photos. So, ooh, <laughs> that's a, speaking of evergreen subjects. Ooh, I did. Yeah, wait. So, Do you want before drink? we start this, no, I'm wasted. Before we start this quiz, who wrote these questions? I I wrote these questions, which just lets everybody know I'm not going to get a stinking one right. You might get some of them. <laughs> so we are taking a look at various festivals and what that term can refer to, which is a really a pretty wide range from Glyndebourne, uh, I would say, that sits near the top, all the way down towards uh, others that are geared more towards education and student training. Mm-hmm. So there are three rounds to this quiz. Uh, everyone, you will each get an equal amount of questions. Okay. For the first round, uh, if you get the question, if you get the answer to the question right away, you get two points. If you get it after the hint that I've prepared, you get one point. If okay. you still don't know it after the hint, your partner, opponent, can steal. Okay. So for those of you playing at home, uh, once again- There if, were already right. more rules than I could <laughs> comprehend. Okay. See how you stack up against us. See if you can you know, press 30 seconds back on your podcast app to hear those pointing rules over again, because well, I'm confused we'll already. We'll go through but, it again. Yeah. Right. No, no, you don't have to. All right, People have the ability to go backwards. So. Oliver, the first question is for you, All right. for two points. I would like to steal. <laughs> go on. World premieres at this summer festival include Janine Tesori's A Blizzard on Marblehead Neck and William Schumann's A Question of Taste, as well as a highly anticipated opera coming this summer. Okay, so this is an American festival, obviously. In the oh, in the yeah. first round, they're all going to be American. Okay, so I'm going to say Glimmerglass. Glimmerglass is correct because yeah, we talked about. Tesori. I knew that though because blue was happening. Yeah, we talked about. Darn, Tesori, so darn! Yeah. I would have gotten yeah. one. Okay. All right, so I'll. That's why this... I tried to steal it okay. preemptively. Score then, so that's two for Oliver. Um, you don't have to keep score, George. You're going to take up too much time doing that. Matt's keeping score. Yeah, I, I got my I got my scratch pad ready. Okay. Toby, what Virginia festival took a hiatus in 2016, shortly after the death of its founder, conductor Lauren Mazel? Um, um, Castleton. Yes. Yeah, dude. Wah! I didn't nice. go. I didn't go de- <laughs> defeated. Over. So, <laughs> is Castleton festival? Is it around? They, are they back? They are still on hiatus, as best okay. as I could tell. So we we didn't talk about this, or maybe we did talk about this uh, when Lydia Yankovskaya was our. That was guest. my hint, actually. Okay, yeah, she talked about her experience at Castleton, and mm-hmm. did we replay that interview as one of our best of? We should, uh, because I remember her talking about Maestro Mazel very fondly, and it's so it's still, many it's still a loss for yeah. young up and coming conductors, you know. Question three for Oliver. Okay. 
Teatro Nuovo, a new summer festival, recently popped up to fill a void after the end of a 20-year association between Will Crutchfield and this festival, which was the incubator for over 40 rarely produced operas. Caramore Festival. That is Bel Canto House, so, with Will Crutchfield. Uh, who is a noted musicolo- musico- yeah. musicologist and conductor uh, who, who run, he ran in a Bel Canto Education Institute out of Caramore for a long time. So, all right, so my Google, right. my Google fingers are ready. <laughs> Toby, founded in 1929, this Lakeside Festival, which performs all of its operas in English, is the fourth oldest continuously operated opera company in the United States. Fourth oldest, only English. It's not St. Louis. Is it Opera Theater of St. Louis? It is not, but... Oh. Uh, Hold you, on, then I'm going to keep hint. You get a hint. Oh, okay. There's also a spiritual commune slash educational movement based around here. That uh, uh, just was discussed at the end of the last segment. <laughs> think, right? Think. <laughs> Wait, what did we talk think about? Back. <laughs> it's it's in New York State. Uh, it's oh, Ch- Chautauqua. Yeah. Okay. I didn't. I didn't realize I didn't that know they, they had, all did English. They were godly. They do that? everything in okay. English. Yeah. It's Wait, kinda, but also hold on. What was the spiritual? Movement? It's like what a new age. It's, it's like a new age. Chautauqua Institution was like a new agey spiritualist commune. Huh. Education. Did you give me those points? Do I get? The yeah, points? you get a you point. Get one you point. get one point. New age for yeah. like the early for the for, like Kenny G. You know? Yeah, new age from like the. <laughs> but late. you were. T- where was the place you were at in Arizona? Oh, Opera Sedona. Music. We can oh, talk were... about Sedona later. <laughs> that's what I started to think. You and I was like, "Does Sedona have an op?" I thought that's what your hint was. I was like, "Does Sedona no. have a place where people are getting aligned with their chakras to, and watching opera?" Trying to use your inside baseball to okay. game the system. All right, Oliver, finish out this round. Uh, according to this company's website, all 467 of the seats in this theater, in its theater, are closer to the center of its stage than the entire front row of either the Metropolitan Opera or the Lyric Opera of Chicago. I want to say Wolf Trap? Uh, that's not correct. Oh. Yeah, it's lo- this uh, this theater is located at Simpson College, mm. in uh, a neighboring state to where we are right now. We, we also just mentioned it oh. on this oh show. My gosh, okay. Did so, we not, Matt? I believe we did. Yes. Um, neighboring state to Illinois. Yeah. And it's a summer festival. It is a summer festival. <laughs> it it's one of the. It, is it, it Des Moines? It is Des Moines. Okay. <laughs> That's one point for Oliver. I said, look look west, young man. (laughs) (laughs) Toby, don't worry. You got an extra question in round three. So that was the end of round one. The score stands at three points for Toby and five points for Oliver. Uh, (laughs) But Oliver's had an extra question. Round two is our- Yeah, so he has more points. I know. I know. I know. Well, it'll get evened out. Don't worry. No, it won't. Hopefully. The discrepancy will grow. (laughs) All right. Round two is our- Wait, has anybody ever been to Des Moines? I got waitlisted there a few times. Oh. <laughs> it's Drink. A, that's a really competitive one, uh, and their 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 website is all about promoting uh, how novel and unique and local their art is, and it's really it's a really exciting. Company. Actually, now thinking about it, I got offered to go fill in for them last summer, and the contract offer was. I'm sorry, like I'm not even singing anymore, so like nobody even cares. It was so little money that I was like, I scoffed at them. Yeah. I was like, you can't be serious. You want but me were to they going to provide you with housing? Yeah, but it was like okay. 36 straight days of work, a day off, and then like 32 straight days, and you, I, you're, I was going to make like less than $800. Oof. Yeah. That's like $400 a month, and you divide it by days. If you're really working that many days, that's Don't like, do it out loud. Yeah, don't do, don't do it. <laughs> it's, it's bad. No one wants that. It's bad for the people. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Des Moines. But they do great music, have fantastic faculty there, and how many 
seats did it say it was? Uh, just under 500, 467. And they're closer to the yeah. That math is cool, You're too. making like $12 a day. Uh, <laughs> and then after taxes. Yeah, exactly. All right. So in round two, <laughs> there are no hints. Oh, wow. Uh, but each question is worth only one point. Okay. Stealing is still allowed. Ooh. Toby. <sighs> One of the best known. Oh, so the theme for this round is given the name. What gi- given... if they're too difficult? Can Oliver and I just go in with our brains and together? And we get have a point. Yeah. yeah. Then okay. you each get have a point. Okay. Great. Cool. Uh, the theme for this round is given the namesake of this of something at the festival. Uh-huh. Identify which festival it is. Okay. Sure. So Toby, one of the best known opera apprenticeships is known as Marilla after this company's first general director. San Francisco Opera. That is correct. I got a point. Yay! You got two Yay. points. Oliver. No, just one. No, just one. No, it is just one in this round. Uh, an old mining town is home to the Bonfils Stanton Foundation Artist Training Program at this company. <laughs> Central City. And I have to share that point with Toby because he totally gave me the hint on Did that Did you know time. it, though? No, I didn't. Oh. I would have thought, I mean, if I thought about it long enough, but we, we're on live radio, yeah. folks. We can't have we dead, can't air, have dead so. air here. Yeah. All right, Toby, which OBS fan favorite company is home to the Gurdine or Jurdine? I should have looked up how to pronounce that. I think it's Gurdine Young Artist Program. Yes. Gurdine Listener, I thought, right? Yeah. Is uh, it just Gurdine? Not according okay. to Yap Tracker. Okay. It's okay. just Gurdine. Oliver, okay. the Filene Young Artist, perform at, the, at an outdoor venue just outside of Washington, D.C. at this festival. Yeah, I know this one. Uh, is it Wolf Trap? <laughs> that is Wolf Trap. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Toby. We should also be keeping track. Who have we had from these young artist programs on our show? We, uh, I think we've covered. Well, I, I did Wolf Trap. Yeah. So, and I did Maryland. Drink everyone. Yeah. So there's two. Double drink. Um. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Toby, which training program in North Carolina, aimed mostly at younger students, is home to the Janiac Opera Company? Um. Uh, North Carolina School of the Arts. What am I thinking? No. Hold on, hold on, Can you hold say on. it again? Which training program it, located in North Carolina, which is primarily aimed at younger music students, oh. is home to the Janiac Opera it's not, Company? It's not Spoleto. It's not Spoleto? It's okay. not Piccolo Spoleto. It's the only thing I can think hold of. Hold on. I know this. David Gately used to be involved with it. I, I've sung for them. I don't remember who it is. <laughs> That's fine. What is the answer? Brevard. 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 Oh. I knew that. I knew um, that. Michael Rice was at Central City, so we have him. <laughs> right. Yeah. Just we're, I'm just. And like for that. all the other ones, I'm like, yeah, we had Madison Leonard. She did it. Yeah. Well, she did Wolf Trap too. Uh, Oliver, final one of this round. Brevard. Uh, that was though... a TBT to my <laughs> life. <laughs> that was. Wait, can I share a story? Because yeah. we're having fun here. That was. Brevard was the very first audition I ever did. How'd ever, it go? Ever. Uh, I had no idea what I was doing. I was probably like 20, and they were nice enough to let me finish singing an aria, and we're like, oh, okay, little boy. <laughs> <laughs> what did you sing? I mean, um, what did you not sing? Um, I I think I sang, um, oh, is there not one maiden breast? From Pirates of Penzance. From Pirates of Penzance. <laughs> but I also think it goes dun 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 one, two, three, four, oh is and I like just had to let the I could I wasn't ready to sing. <laughs> so he vamped like three times and then I was like, mm, I guess I'll sing now. <laughs> <laughs> Starting off strong. Aww. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh Oliver finishing up round two. Though not an apprentice program itself, the iconic open air Crosby Theater at this festival is named for the longtime general director. Who served from 1957 until 2000? Oh, I mean, open air. Yeah, that's your giveaway there. Is it Santa Fe? It is Santa okay. Fe. I thought they were called something else. The, the young artists there. They the, called... it, they're, they're just the Santa Fe Apprentice Program. Okay. Is, 
uh, according to their website. If they've okay. got donors, they okay. they need to be they need to be shown on <laughs> the love. All right. So at the end of round two, we got five and a half for Toby and seven and a half for Oliver. Right. Oh look, it's like there was one extra question that he got more <laughs> points for in the first round. Well, that's amazing. Here's your chance. <laughs> it's Opera Box Score on WNUR eighty nine point three FM. It's our pop quiz right now, Matt. Cummings hosting an epic battle of summer festival I'm knowledge. Tobias. Giancarlo Menotti Spoleto Festival, which was officially known as the Festival dei Due Mondi, or Festival of the Two Worlds, had a partner festival for over 15 years in this American city. Well, we were just talking about it. Yeah, is you're it nearby. Charleston, South Carolina? It is Charleston, South Carolina. Ooh, nice job, Toby. Let's go, master's degree. All right. Uh, coming up next is our first audio clue. Mm. Oliver, in 1996, the artist heard here became a sensation when he jumped in to replace Bruce Ford at this hometown festival. Who did he replace? Uh, Bruce Ford. And what year was this? 1996. Oh, my gosh. 96. I'm surprised you don't recognize the singer. Well, you I mean, can do it. When I thought Juan Diego Flores right away. It is Juan Diego Flores. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, he sounded so different in 1996. Okay. That's also like a rehearsal footage I found. I wanted okay. to find something from this 96 production. Okay. And it was where? Uh, Oliver. Sorry, say it again. Do you know where the fe- where the festival was? I need more context. I'm so lost already. What we're talking about? We're still... What 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 was the what was the festival where Juan Diego Flores made his big splash debut? Uh, Pizarro. Yeah. Okay. Rossini Festival in Pizarro. So, so that is the one. Cool. Uh, that is a clip from Matilde di Chabran, an opera that has only been done with Juan Diego Flores for the most pretty, basically. Uh, Toby. The composer and librettist of the opera heard in this clip are considered founders of which major festival where the performance in this clip took place. You, uh, while you're furiously I can, googling, I can identify the singer. But what was the question again? Uh, what 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 festival did this performance take place at? Uh, the composer and the librettist of that clip from Ariadne of Naxos is. Well, I don't know is what it, the festival is. Is it Berlin? No, I mean, it's Salzburg. It, Salzburg yeah, festival. It's yeah. Salzburg festival, and that's very grist. Yeah. As every nutta. Steal my points! Wow, steal yeah, for that was Oliver. a steal. No. Steal my Oliver points! Got that. All right, Oliver. From its inception. Uh, next question. From its inception to the present day, this festival has begun not with an opera traditionally, but with a performance of Beethoven's Ninth Symphony. Oof. Can you give us a city? Do uh, we get clues uh, in this yeah, round? This is, this, the city is the answer, actually. Oh, in this is one. it uh, Bonn? No, uh, that the Ninth Symphony was pretty important to the composer who founded this festival in 1876. So it's Beethoven, duh. <laughs> but... Um, mm, mm, but who? There was another opera composer who really, 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 really loved Beethoven Nine and thought that opera had to totally change Wagner? after Beethoven Nine. Yeah, is it oh, it's, it's Bayreuth? Bayreuth. It is Starts, Bayreuth. I didn't. Oh, wow. How come did you didn't you know, know that, George? Did you know that Bayreuth started with Beethoven Nine? I did not know that. Well, 
song gun. We learned a little bit yeah. today. All right, for our final question, Tobias. Thank God, I'm sweating bullets. Which festival? Actually, I'm just sweating the whiskey that I was drinking <laughs> the whole time George gave his clips. This festival's inaugural season took place in 1948 at an archbishop's palace and was funded entirely by the Countess Lily Pastre. It featured a production of an opera that was practically unknown at the time, Così Fan Tutte. Uh, and it went on to become really closely associated with Mozart, and it's not Glyndebourne. What was the year? Eight, uh, 1948. 1948. Associated with Mozart. And pretty high quality. This is one of the. This is another one of the top festivals. I put it in the same category as Glyndebourne, but it takes place outside of a different major city. Is it in France? It is. Is it the Aix-en-Provence? It is Aix-en-Provence. <laughs> so. Nice. I'm getting a final score of eight and a half for Toby and ten and a half for Oliver. So that two (laughs) point gap. Okay, good. So that's. Wow! I demand a recount. uh, I won the the popular vote. We're we're shaking hands (laughs) like the women do. That honestly went a lot better than I expected in terms of answering percentages. Uh, I gotta say. But we have one minute left in this this chunk. Uh, Some breaking news about Operalia um, semifinalists. Uh, they are on the Operalia Facebook page. If you have the Facebook, you go to facebook.com. Um, Mario Rojas, tenor, uh, who... Hometown is, favorite. <laughs> yes. Who is... Ryan Center. Yeah, Ryan Opera Center. Um, is out. He, he's competing for Mexico. No, he's advanced the semifinals in the Sarsuela category. Um, and our friend of the show, Arianus Boncon, uh, representing both USA and Germany. I didn't know that he was half German. Who knew? Uh, he advanced semifinals in opera. There are some other Americans who I don't know who are comp- still in the competition. Felicia Moore, I think she might have been a Met winner uh, a couple years ago. Live Redpath, L-I-V. Uh, and then Robert Watson, tenor. Uh, Live Redpath, by the way, is a the soprano. Yeah. So those are our Americans uh, advancing. Robert to... Watson. Yeah, I know Robert Watson. You do? Yeah, when I was at Marilla, he, I, I directed him. Okay. He's, from, he's from Kansas City. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. How about so that? go go USA. Uh, we are we want only Americans to win everything. So um, we're very bullish on America <laughs> yeah, here. Exactly. That's absolutely true. Thank you, Matt Cummings, for a fantastic yeah. pop quiz. I enjoyed that. Yeah, it wasn't as embarrassing as I thought it was. Not be. at all. Yeah. No, it wasn't. I yeah. turns yeah. out I. But I can't believe you don't know Ray Grist. He's he's not a soprano. <laughs> he's not a canary fancier. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I listened to. That, I was like, what? That that was actually so. That was the Zerbinetta's uh, aria is yeah. what she sang for Leonard Bernstein during yeah. some rehearsal of the original cast yeah. of West Side Story because yeah. she was a dancer, uh, and she was like, "Oh, by the way, I sing opera too. Here's a twelve minute soprano <laughs> aria," and then she started getting hired for opera too. Yeah, that's but one her, of my favorite fun. But facts. her main career was not in the U.S. Yeah, yeah. Opera singer, which is the well, worst. in the past we've had listeners actually write pop quiz. Do you remember Kenny, one of our listeners in Michigan? He would occasionally write I do. a. Write a quiz or two we for miss you, us. Kenny. So um, you two can. Well, first of all, Kenny, uh, let us know where you are. Second of all, you can always let us write know where your you are by sending us quizzes for us. One hundred dollars with uh, on uh, <laughs> a staple to a postcard from where you are right now. So, <laughs> all right, the hirings and firings came fast and furious this week in Opera Land. That's all up next on Opera Box Score. It's on WNUR eighty nine point three FM and HD Northwestern Evanston Chicago. <laughs> Live from Chicago, 
You're listening to Opera Box Score. More right after this. Hey, George Cedarquist here, host of Opera Box Score. All right, here's a tip. If you've recently started listening to our show, you already know there's nothing else like it. Week in, week out, you get our panel's hot takes on opera news in the two-minute drill, plus our patented segments like Fantasy Fockball, Monday Evening Quarterback, and Crunching the Numbers. But you might not know about some of the incredible interview guests who have gone inside the huddle with our team, like tenor Matthew Polanzani, composer Gregory Spears, Intendant Kirsten Harms, and countertenor Jakub Josef Orlinski, to name just a few. Check out the Opera Box Score archives on SoundCloud. Just go to soundcloud.com and search for Opera Box Score. And you can tell us about your favorite interviews on our Facebook page and our Twitter feed. This just in the two minute drill. All right, listen up. Here's everything you need to know from the past week in Opera Land. Quote, the University of Michigan initiated the process to dismiss David Daniels in April 2019. UM spokeswoman Kim Brookhuysen confirmed with the Ann Arbor News earlier this week. Mezzo-soprano Dolora Zacek has announced that she's going to retire in 2021. The latest opera singers to be profiled in the mainstream arts media include baritone Michael Kelly in the Huffington Post, Jakob Josef Orlinski in The New Yorker, and the Mets production of Verdi's Rigoletto, that was on NPR. General Director Stefan Lissner has obtained an extension to his contract at the Paris Opera. That's going to take him up to 2023, after which he'll be succeeded by Alexander Neef, the German boss of the Canadian Opera Company. Neef's going to have to trigger an escape clause in his Toronto contract, because that goes till 2026. Conductor Fabio Luisi resigned this week at the Maggio Musicale, following the general director's withdrawal over political changes in the makeup of the governing board. German director Sebastian Schwarz, who quit the artistic director post at Gleinborn in 2017, has been named Sovereintendente of the Teatro Reggio in Turin. Christopher Battagliano is stepping down as the general director after running Portland Opera since 2003, but he's going to stay on as an artistic consultant. Exit stage right, Marcus Overton, the sometime general manager of the Ravinia Festival. He died at 75. And Elliot Golub, the founding concertmaster of Chicago's Music of the Baroque from 1972 to 2006, has also passed away. And on this day, it was the premiere of Verdi's I Masnaderi in 1847 in London. Licha Albanese was born in 1913, and it's the birthday of former Chicago Opera Theater General Director Brian Dickey. He's 98. That's your two-minute drill. You're listening to Opera Box Score with George Cedarquest, Tobias Wright, Matt Cummings, Weston Williams, and Oliver the Man Camacho.
And it's Opera Box Score on WNUR. George, George, George. That I wasn't in my intro again, so that's thrice now in this show. Also, <laughs> that's not true, dude. It, it is, and don't call me dude, dude. Um, also, wait, how wait, old wait, is? Br- wait a second, you weren't in, you weren't in this intro. <laughs> You're in this intro. Okay? You're listening to Listen. Opera Box I'm School. With this George is fascinating Cena. radio, everyone. Tobias Wright, <laughs> that's you, Matt Cummings. Oh yeah, wait. Weston Williams. That's Weston. And Oliver the Man. Okay, wait. I was in that one. I forgive me. Uh, <laughs> You're forgiven. We're mostly distracted because you aged uh, <laughs> Brian, Dickey Brian Dickey. He said Brian Dickey was 98, and we laughed because our notes. I said he was 98. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Like, happy birthday, Oliver Camacho, turning 68 today. You were just uh, like, what? <laughs> you were just influenced by Leech Albanese, who was like 942. Just when casually Chicago adding died. decades on the people's lives. It says 78 in front of me right here. Are you sure I didn't yeah. say 78? Yeah, because we all started yeah. howling at him. I'm, I'm mortified. <laughs> you can't. know, I when I assistant directed at Chicago Opera Theater. Oh drink. God, I'm so <laughs> drunk. But that was under the Brian Dickey era. Mm. I, he was like a British boarding school headmaster. Mm. I kind, I kind of loved him actually. He mm. was hilariously funny. In that well, dry sad. kind of yeah. way. Yeah. <laughs> In that dry sort of, you know, drop your pants, I'm going to cane you sort of way. Hmm. I, it'd be sad if he <laughs> passed away at 98. <laughs> Luckily, we're just celebrating his 78. <laughs> so that Dolores Ajik clip had about like 10 more seconds before the money note, but you decided to fade out on it. <laughs> I know. I did this earlier on a clip from in another show of... Um, Oh gosh, the the number from La Boheme in the third act mm. as well. I, All right, this is a tendency, Oliver. Uh, yeah, well, it's was... called delayed gratification. You should try it so sometime. So Dolores Ajik is also besides being like having like a major career in America singing. She's an Verdi. institution. Yeah, she also started her own institution. Yeah, the yeah. Uh, for Dolores Ajik for, for big girls <laughs> <laughs> and boys. Yeah. The term is dramatic. I know, I know yeah. a couple dramatic people. Voices. I know someone yeah. who went to it who just yeah. had like the loudest voice I've ever yeah. heard in my entire life. I I know a lot of people who yeah. wanted to go to <laughs> yeah, so it, who thought they were destined to For those who aren't following us, she created a school or like a, a finishing program for dramatic singers who don't really have a place in the conservatory system because usually their voices take longer to develop and they're not doing Wagner operas and whatnot, you know, in undergrad. And, <laughs> and on yeah. top of that, many yeah. of the summer festivals that yeah. we talked about yeah. in our pop quiz yeah. uh, have an age limit of 30 or so, which is like right around when they would when these voices would start to really come into their own yeah. a lot of the time. Yeah. And so this is sort this is something you can do yeah. to forward your training but on. One of my yeah. uh most instilled memories of that that's not a word of Dolores Ajik was when she was interviewed uh on Fresh Air. Oh that's Terry a great Gross. interview. And she kept correcting Terry Gross's Italian pronunciation. Terry Gross literally just became a fan of opera like a minute ago and right. like wanted to interview an opera singer and she got Dolores Ajik who was being really pedantic about how to pronounce Italian. So it was really great for us <laughs> opera singers <laughs> who want to be accessible. So I'm surprised she didn't edit that out. Uh, no. I mean it's not live radio like our show is. It's well, you don't think it's live? I mean, live interviews are live whole, interviews. I read a whole book. No, it's it's taped said, over okay. the phone. He said memories okay. instilled in me, and after tonight, all of my <laughs> memories are distilled in me. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, George. Moving on. Yakov uh, Yosef Olinsky. <laughs> Shut up, Toby. <laughs> in uh, The New Yorker, an article by who was the author again? You remember? Uh, Rebecca Mead. Yeah. 
Um, you know, this guy, after being on Opera Box Score, his career really did take off. So. It makes me think people are listening that aren't telling us that they're listening. I'm quite certain of it. We're I mean, secretly on loop in the New Yorker offices. Well, Ross because, is... I mean, now, like, it's happened multiple times, yeah. and, you know? Listen, yeah. if this guy couldn't break dance, would he be as big as he is? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Talented. Yeah. He's extremely artist. talented. And he sounds, Great artist. He sounds different than many other countertenders just mm-hmm. the you know where his sweet spot is in his range how yeah. it, it, it's not quite as like hollow of a sound as you sometimes get from ca- countertenners it it's <laughs> i mean i'm i'm just quoting yeah every yeah. article that's ever been yeah. written about yeah. a countertenner uh, well, i'm sorry like, i was reading our notes what did you say <laughs> it, it's just like it's a really present it more sound core. it has it's a lot like of did you say it was it's kind of hollow yeah no, no i said his does not he's sound basically hollow. shit on every <laughs> on oh, no. Countertenner. oh no we did it <laughs> yeah we did it um so what did you think of the npr one I actually listened to that in preparation for today's podcast, and um, I was really sort of surprised at people who um, who do this show called Pop Culture Happy Hour, which is a great show, and the people that are on that show are extremely learned and know a lot about books and... Erudition. Yeah, exactly. And the way they talk about opera, it made me feel like, oh my God, there's so much work to be done. Mm-hmm. Like, if you don't have basic understanding of opera and like things like... well. We talked about this last week on the show, too, and it was touched on in the article where they're like, we weren't even sure what to wear. Yeah. And some people were wearing khakis and button downs. Some people were in like full on mm-hmm. ball gowns. Yeah. And that's like a huge, you're right. Like, there are so many barriers that we still just have to break down. Like, go like you would go to a Bravo show. There's so many barriers that just have go. to be broken down. I mean, it's just the, R- the, the, bag- it's no. the baggage no. of history It w- is what it is, right? Because, like, everybody can go to a movie and watch a movie and understand a movie. But, like, we work in this field of music, right? This is a non-verbal art form, and sometimes it takes non-verbal means to talk about it and mm-hmm. to discuss it and to interact with it, and that's complex. It is. And that's tricky, and so I don't fault NPR for struggling with that. Do I think they need to do their homework? Yeah, absolutely. Well, the point of it, I think, is they wanted to... Try something new. Go yeah. to an opera as a new experience. Right, right. and like their, their audience, the NPR audience, specifically the pop culture happy hour audience, are... Let's face it, like, you know, um, liberal white people, you know, who live in big cities. And, and carry tote bags. And yeah, exactly. make their own cold brew yeah. and really like kale. You know, yeah, exactly. Like that's... And so these are the people that we have the best chance of reaching, you know. Mm-hmm. And what I really liked about this article is that when this production came out, it kind of got poo-pooed of like, oh, well, they're just reaching out to pop culture. That's the word who I was looking for, poo-pooed. For? <laughs> poo-pooed. Uh, and, I, you know, it was it was kind of nice to read a take of of someone who went to see this opera without really knowing anything about it and was able to see the cultural parallels between like the Rat Pack and Vegas and club bad boys and I forget the the director of this Uh, Michael Mayer yeah this is Michael Mayer's production Mm. that's set in Vegas so and they really touched on enjoying the production not forcing them to be drawn full time into the lyrics and that was like I think it's really smart how the Met does certain things like when you upgrade a show or update, not upgrade. <laughs> Can't really upgrade Rigoletto. It's a pretty good opera. But <laughs> smart productions are smart productions, especially for, for people who don't know them. Um, well, anyway, there, there was like a theme with some these these three stories that all came out this week or this past week is that like these are mainstream culture, me- culture media outlets that are featuring opera singers, including the article about As One, Baritone, Michael Kelly. Um, and it's great to see that, like, okay, like we're starting to break through a little bit, you know? Why it's do you not think it's happening time, so. all of a sudden now, if it is all of a sudden? People can't read another think piece about how avocado toast is ruining America. <laughs> they need something else to write about millennials. <laughs> so the fall of the avocado has meant the rise of opera in this country. Nothing could make me happier. 
correlation does prove causation, as they say. So I, I think there's a lot to be said though about the audience it's reaching to, and like in today's economic climate, I mean people in people that are millennials are constantly online looking for information. You know, we consume fifteen thousand ideas a day. Which is insane. And well, so, like, that's an average, Toby. I don't know if that's your number. No, I can handle like three. Exactly. <laughs> but I mean, the point is, is like wait, three thousand? Just wait until you're ninety-eight, no, like, like Brian Dickey. No, <laughs> no, like three. I don't know. I have so many thoughts. I'm tired. I'm just done talking. Oliver's looking at me like I'm crazy. No, <laughs> I'm trying to see what the next thing we're going to talk about is. I'm trying to move this Do out. we have to talk about the University of Michigan professor? No, let's not. Cool, great. Uh, the reason that. Alexander Neef is moving from COC to the Paris Opera should be pretty self-evident. That is that is a upwards move. It's not a huge leap, but it is a leap upwards. It should pre- surprise precisely nobody that he is leaving COC to go to Paris. He has worked absolute wonders at COC, and they are going to be in a serious loss having to try and replace him. I'll be very interested to see who they get to fill those shoes. Well, it seems C- like with all C- this shakeup, there's room for an opera box score mm-hmm. joint sure. artistic directorship of oh, one yeah. of these companies. I'm not moving to Toronto. I would. It's nice over there. You would have to get used to oh. loonies and toonies, though. What yes, about Tim um, Fabio Luisi? He's had a rough couple of years. He has. I mean, because he was like the... Uh, he was the principal guest conductor. Yeah. At the Met. And then they got Yannick in there, and yeah. he suddenly he was just like... Pretty unceremoniously dumped, <laughs> yeah. as the, would be the term. And now he's losing his... Or he's quitting at, he Maj, quit. at Teatro Maggi Musicale. Yeah. He can fall back on his perfume business. That's no, he's right. A, I forgot. He's perfume, yeah. he's, he makes perfumes. Yeah. Wait, are you serious? No, that, yeah. yeah, that's Seriously, real. That's... <laughs> Yeah. Wow. Wait, what? He's a perfumier, perf- however you say that word. Yeah, perf- yeah that perfumier. Yeah, perfumier. <laughs> he <laughs> make, he's like he makes bread. He makes perfume. You know. <laughs> he makes bread. <laughs> you know, like um, a uh, like Dennis Feinstein a from um, a boulang- from Parks and Rec. <laughs> a boulanger <laughs> makes bread, and like a pâtissier makes pastry, and uh, he's a perfume. Thank you for that. Yeah. Oh you know how French goodness. works. You just add an e <laughs> to the end of the word. I, you know. I think I do. Yeah. I don't. Call. <laughs> Bad call. On Opera Box Score. Oh, my goodness. Toby, you never should bring that Topo Chico into the studio <laughs> again, man. <laughs> I know. I wonder. I, I. So for all of our listeners, I was only drinking water I from know, a water I bottle, know. but I almost yeah. finished it. Were this something else, a true spirit, yeah. there would be better, hair growing I'm out my ears. <laughs> all right. Good call. Bad call. I got a good call. Quickly. Go. Uh, thank you, Jake, in Chicago, for your uh, donation. Jake discovered Opera Box Score recently um, after hearing a conversation that I was having amongst friends, and he listened and said he loved it, and I hope he listens again, and thank you for your donation. Oliver awesome. Camacho. Um, this weekend, uh, in, if you're in the Chicago area, we have this Mahler 8 happening with so many singers that we can name, Johnny uh, Beek. Leah Crocetto, Michelle DeYoung, Ryan Speedo Green. Uh, that is on Friday. And then the following day, Michelle DeYoung and Isabel Leonard uh, headline an all Bernstein concert uh, also at Ravinia. So that's where you're going to find me this weekend. My good call is my family and I went to see The Music Man at the Goodman Theater on Saturday. It was boiling hot that day. And instead of going to the movies, we went to see live theater. I love that show. My kids love that show. It's a great show. It's at the Goodman through August 18th. I highly recommend it. That's it for this week's edition of America's Talk Radio Show about opera. The general managers at WNUR are Henry Moskal and Somal Sangvi. 
Our announcer is Norm Waddell at voxershorts.com, V-O-X-E-R-S-H-O-R-T-S.com. Our theme song is Vodka Inferno, written and performed by the Diablo Swing Orchestra, with opera statistics and on-this-day content from operabass.com. On Facebook, search for Opera Box Score. Be sure to share and comment on our posts. On Twitter, we're at Opera Box Score. And please leave a review when you subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts. The creative consultant for Opera Box Score is Oliver Camacho. For Tobias Wright and Matt Cummings, I'm George Cedarquist, asking you to continue the conversation about opera wearing your best evening gown or morning suit. We're back on Monday, July 29 at 9 p.m. Central when Oliver goes inside the huddle with conductor Gary Thor Wado. More opera news, more hot takes, and more champagne as well. Join us. This is WNUR 89.3 FM in HD, Northwestern Evanston, Chicago, Chicago's Sound Experiment. <laughs>